Welcome back, everybody, to our PGC podcast. It is episode 11, and we have a new guest. I'd like to introduce you to our colleague, June Herkham, who is Senior Lecturer in Early Years Education. Welcome, June. Hello, everyone. Um, Yes, my name's June Herkham. I'm a lecturer here in the School of Education. I primarily teach on the PGC primary programme, so that's working with postgraduates. But I will be lecturing on our new exciting undergraduate programme that started in September, the BA Primary Education Programme. So working with undergraduates, which uh, I haven't done for quite some time, so I'm really looking forward to that. Well, we are really pleased to have you with us for a deep discussion about applying for a PGCE or applying for teacher training but before we do that Tom I think you've got you've got a few thanks to make haven't you yes and parish notices I suppose would be one way of putting (laughs) it now any of our regular listeners um, will know that at the end of our Christmas special our enormous and self-indulgent Christmas special we made a a fairly pitiful and very desperate request for some ratings and reviews because we'd been going for several months and we had a grand total of zero of any kind of feedback on iTunes so we We made our piteous request and we did indeed get some very nice reviews from some people, including someone who we've offered a place to on the PGCE, who has become a listener to the podcast as excellent preparation for the course, possibly, and uh, has written some very nice things. So thank you to those of you who've reviewed and rated us. It it does give us a very nice warm glow. So if anyone wants to join them in that endeavour, that would be lovely. And also, I'd like to say hello to a listener who unmasked herself to us on Twitter as being one of our international listeners. Now, one of the interesting things about our podcast software is we can actually see where you all are when you're listening to us and although obviously the great majority of our listeners are based in the UK we've got people all over the world who somehow have found us and I think I was almost a little bit skeptical that it was true until somebody tweeted me the other day and said hello I'm listening to you in the US and uh, I'm really enjoying listening so hello to Laura Salkeld hello hello Laura who tweeted us she is Welsh uh, but she's now based out in the US and she's listening to the podcast so if anyone else out there wants to tweet us we've got people in places as far afield as South America the Far East all over the place all over Europe it's it's quite bizarre and exciting but if you are out there and you want to say hello we'd love to hear from you well welcome along to you all and I guess there's a nice segue opportunity there actually Tom because June and I um, alongside our roles as uh, programme leaders as senior lecturers as lecturers of ITE initial teacher education we actually are responsible for promoting and recruiting international students to our PGCE well to our ITE programmes our range of programmes so I guess when we're having this conversation about applying for teacher training we're also appealing to anyone out there um, who's listening from an international location yep definitely we're not just for people in wales we've got a very nice pgce and uh, we'd love you to come and experience it absolutely so i guess our first question that we need to talk about really is why would anyone want to be a teacher it's a fair question (laughs) and i think it's a good question to ask yourself actually why is it that i would like to be a teacher what am i drawing upon what great teachers have i had that have inspired me if they have and maybe good or bad have inspired you um but start to think i think that would be our, our first bit of advice actually would be to question why is it that I want to go into and train for this profession what what are your thoughts my lovely colleague well yes I, I, we should probably kind of confess here I mean I should say I didn't want to be a teacher I'm always amused by the number of people that come to interview on the course and, and nine times out of ten they always say oh I've wanted to be a teacher since I was you know 
three or something like that. And I was absolutely dead set against it. I, I think it was partly because I did do a music degree and there was a very well-worn path to becoming a teacher. And I was dead set on bucking the trend and wasn't going to do it until I accidentally found myself doing some teaching and then to my embarrassment discovered it was probably the most fun thing I'd ever done and the rest is history so it's it's okay it's not compulsory to have wanted to be a teacher for as long as you can remember. How about you Jim? Uh, my interest in the profession actually resulted from having my own children. Um, prior to having my own children, believe it or not, I worked as an insurance clerk uh, for the AA many, many years ago. But having my own children, I've got three, they're all adults now. And just watching them grow and develop, I started doing some courses. I trained as a nursery nurse and then came into the profession, as I say, at a later stage in my life, um, just because I wanted to sort of, as I say, develop and, and use the sorts of things that I've been doing with my own children and bring that into the classroom just to see children grow and develop and reach their potential was just amazing to me that's really interesting I and I'm learning facts about you I didn't know insurance (laughs) I had no idea many years ago yes very boring I have to say working in an office (laughs) very different environment (laughs) and I have to say that um, I'm in your camp Tom actually at first I definitely wanted to be an actress it was my passion but actually I applied for drama school at the same time as applying for a BA so an undergraduate route into secondary drama teaching And the vibe that I got when I entered my interview um, where we had to do a bit of a workshop and a bit of a performance and I realised actually that I could still kind of fulfil my acting itch whilst also like modelling good practice and developing sort of inspiring lessons for for my pupils. So I felt like I could marry my passion for my subject and my passion for teaching in the BA route into teaching and teacher training. So I guess what we've got is a really good cross-section actually of, of different kind of perspectives and ideas and routes into teaching so wherever you are and whatever you do we'd like to acknowledge that you might be in a completely different career you might have just finished or be about to finish the end of this year your a-levels and you're thinking teaching is going to definitely be what i want to do straight away you might be doing an undergraduate degree and be thinking absolutely and I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds i don't think it's going to be teacher training or it might be i'm going to go and develop into x wherever you are if you're thinking about it I think step number one would be to start to look at the profession in a bit more detail and ask yourself what is it about the profession and what is it about me that I can see kind of marrying together in harmony I suspect one of the things we're going to do in this episode also is explode a few myths about teaching and I think you exploded one quite nicely there Emma which is the idea that you've failed at your subject if you end up teaching it now I know that when I became a music teacher, I made myself a solemn promise on entering the classroom that I was not going to stop being a musician. And it was hard work doing it, but I think it made me a better teacher. And so if you feel that becoming a teacher means stopping being a scientist or a historian or a sports person or whatever it may be, I think that is one area where you definitely need to just stop and rethink because being that in the classroom, an actor, a geographer, whatever it may be, makes you the most powerful kind of teacher. 
I think that's a really interesting point. And I think just to tag on to that, you might be at the moment definitely sold on teaching, but in two minds as to whether you want to go into early years, primary or secondary. And I think what's going to be interesting to explore with you, June, and, and in dialogue between all of us is how do how does the novice teacher or somebody who is applying for a PGC decide what, which setting is right for them? What advice would you give on that, June? I would try, if it's possible, to actually go into a variety of schools. Uh, I appreciate that this is dependent on time, but if you are uncertain, spend a little bit of time maybe going into a a secondary school and a primary school. Um, Within the primary school, don't just stay in one classroom, actually uh, spend some time in key stage two, and then maybe go down to the foundation phase. And just to have a look at the way that the classrooms are set up, the sorts of activities that children are involved in, the types of resources that are being used, and what sort of things the teachers are doing to help you then to sort of make that decision as to, you know, whether you would like to teach sort of at secondary level or at primary level. I think for me, um, the difference between the two is that at primary level, you become an expert in a whole variety of different subject areas. Whereas at secondary, you very much focus in on your particular specialism. But certainly in, in primary, there is you, as I say, you engage uh, and deliver much more areas of the curriculum. Some things that you perhaps might not feel confident with, but as experience grows and your development and knowledge of the curriculum uh, develops, so you become more expert in it. I think that's really useful. And I I think um, from a secondary perspective, it's about looking at the range of subjects that you have encountered and you've got qualifications in, in your own academic uh, history. Think about what you're passionate about, um, because if you're really passionate about it, that is going to translate for your pupils and you're going to want to get up every day and find new and inspiring ways of unlocking your subject knowledge, skills, expertise with your pupils, for your pupils. And I think that point of comparison, if you're if you're unsure, get into both settings. Do some observation in a primary setting. Do some observation in a secondary setting. And I think what's most important is that you try and be reflective in both of those settings. So you're not purely observing, you're observing and you're asking yourself some really important questions about what you're seeing, about the way the teacher interacts and engages with the pupils, about the way that different subjects are are taught and are introduced to the learners. And I think that piece of advice about going into a school and having a look around just at its broadest level is possibly the best piece of advice we could give anyone who's thinking about going into teaching. Now, one of our jobs is to interview candidates who want to go into teaching. And I would say we all look very, very fondly on anyone who wants to do that. But I think the biggest mistake anybody could make would be to apply to join what is a a very challenging profession based on either their perception of what being a teacher is from having been a pupil themselves, so if they've not set foot in a classroom since they were a pupil, or alternatively, if their perception of being a teacher is based on what they see or read in the media. I think that's a great point, actually. It's very very much about um, the difference in the environment. And actually, a lot of our teacher trainees come from a variety of really valid experiential backgrounds. So they may have done some after-school clubs, some extracurricular contexts they've been working in, they've had experience in. But then if they haven't had an experience in a school setting, they have a little bit of a shock at times when they realise that that environment is actually quite different. Would you agree with that, June? 
Yes, definitely. I mean, just on a slight tangent, I think one of the things that students start in the programme, so having been accepted onto the programme, starting the programme, one of their anxieties is actually about behaviour management, sort of how they control the children uh, and deliver their lessons, all those sort of behaviour for sort of learning strategies. And they're quite anxious about that. But actually, I think if you go into a school and just look at the ways that the teacher um, is, as I say, managing the classroom, is delivering the learning, you start to see that actually that behaviour is so integral to lots of different aspects of your practice. It's not just about a box of tricks. It's to do with the learning. It's to do with the organisation. It's to do with the resources that you learn. It's to do with your delivery of the lesson. So I think going into school is is such a valuable thing. It's, it's something that I would certainly stress that you need to do before even thinking about coming into the profession. I would agree with that. And coming back to our initial question, which is why asking yourself, why would you want to be a teacher? I think it's important to think about that, obviously in relation to yourself and what it's going to give to you, but also thinking about your learners and, and why you particularly want to work with the age group that you do. And also, what is it about the wider teaching profession? So is it working with other the professionals because you really want to work in a collaborative way with other teachers to figure out more about your subject and how to teach it you know we're not just in the classroom day to day with our pupils we actually get a lot out of working with our colleagues within a school environment too so that's what I would say would be one of the kind of key points to think about is thinking quite narrow but also thinking quite broadly about why you want to be a teacher I think that's one of the things with the teaching profession that it is always evolving it never stands still Um, you can see than the disadvantage actually that sometimes you know we don't have time to embed policies or strategies but actually it's also exciting that you can actually when new initiatives come through from perhaps research that you can try those out in the classroom and see what works speak to your colleagues maybe do some team teaching um, do some like mini research projects or things like that and then share that knowledge with perhaps other colleagues in cluster schools around you and that is something an aspect of teaching that I find quite quite exciting actually that the, you know there is always something new coming on board and certainly as somebody who's come from an office background many many years ago that way of working in teaching is is completely different to sort of as I say office-based type uh, type work. Yeah, teaching is very much about the pupils that you teach, isn't it? I think um, I mentioned in a previous episode that there's nothing that makes me quite so twitchy as somebody coming for an interview with a very kind of ego-based view of what being a teacher is. But we're all human and we need something that we get personally out of teaching. So I think that's a really important thing to think about. And at its most basic level, I mean, thinking about you sitting in your office, June, I think we probably all had jobs where there's that bit between half past three and five o'clock when the clock just isn't moving. And I know it's a terrible cliche we all say, but you never look at the clock when you're in in teaching. It's a really good point. And just something came to me then about why why would you want to be a teacher that actually our, our Minister for Education, Kirsty Williams, mentioned in a talk a bit earlier this year. And she talked about teachers aren't necessarily the heroes that we see in the media. In fact, there are some quite negative portrayals of teachers in the media. I we, think we heard there some, are, yeah. There are. But and so although we might not have, you know, be covered in glory, you know, splashed all over tabloids and, you know, championed in the media. Actually, if you think about it, everybody can remember a teacher from their past. So in the memories and the lives of your pupils, 
you are heroes when you're a teacher. There is always that one or two teachers who made a big difference to the journey and the course of of your life. And I, I, what I wanted to do was to just kind of shine a light on two influential teachers that have actually received awards and been recognised for their achievements. The first one is someone we know quite well, actually. Tom and I have, have met her on several occasions. Her name is Louisa Martin Thomas. And she won um, the Pearson Teaching Award for Teacher of the Year for Secondary in 2017. And just a few little headlines about why she was chosen and why she won. They thought that her positive outlook, her drive and her energy were quite infectious. They mentioned that she possessed a burning passion to improve the lives of all the young people she encountered in school. And she's highly committed um, and a professional member of staff who not only wants to develop the the learning experiences for her, her pupils, but also for her colleagues as well. And she's really big into mindfulness and health and well-being so although we don't necessarily kind of get championed in the media actually we do get recognized and awarded and maybe some of those traits that Louisa you know got that award for maybe you can think about that in relation to your application the second teacher that I just wanted to bring to light who I think is worth a mention if you're thinking about why we do or why you would like to do what teachers do was somebody called Andrea Zafiriku and I really hope that I, I've pronounced her name correctly there. She won the Global Teacher Prize last year, 2018 and she comes from Alperton Community School in Brent which is a, an area that is incredibly ethnically diverse. It's one of the most eth- eth- ethnically diverse areas of the country that's a difficult word to say she's deeply committed to social inclusion and social mobility and what she says of the profession I hope will resonate with some of our listeners who are thinking about applying for a PGC or for teacher training she says there is no other job like being a teacher in what other profession are you selfless and completely devoted to creating the right opportunities for another person to achieve Being in a classroom and watching a student have an idea and transform it into a formidable outcome is so satisfying and fulfills me. I thought that was a a really humble answer, but is actually probably at the core of, of what we do. I think so. Yeah, I think you have to have that that need to do things for other people. Otherwise, you know, and to not put yourself first. Otherwise, it is going to be a bit of a struggle because we'll be lying if we said it's not a challenging profession. (laughs) Some days we all have those days. Now, what if you are sitting there now thinking, yeah, I quite fancy looking into this, but here are my circumstances. Well, the good news is there's more than one way to get into teaching. There is. So there are multiple routes. Um, The best one-stop shop to go to is the UCAS website. And there you will get links to teacher training in Wales, teacher training in England, in Northern Ireland and in Scotland. Um, And there are multiple routes that that you can pursue. And of course, we're called the PGCE podcast, so I suppose we can get that one over with first. The the well-known and and most popular route, I suppose, in many ways is the PGCE, which is that you go and you get your degree and then you do a year after your degree and become a teacher. And that's what we do. That's what we all teach on. You can find PGCE courses on UCAS. You can find our PGCE course on there and and, uh, have a good look at it and see what you make of it. It's a university led course, but obviously you spend an awful lot of time in school. If that's not for you, there are also employment based routes and they're becoming a lot more 
popular where you're actually employed by a school and you learn on the job and the graduate teacher program the GTP is the one that we have over here in Wales um, teach first also is another one where you spend a lot of your time in school so if you feel and particularly if you're currently working in a school environment but you're not a teacher it may well be that if you speak nicely to your employers they might like you to take a step up the ladder and will support you in doing that And for those of you who have or are just about to finish your A-levels and you're pretty convinced that you would like to train straight away, so at an undergraduate stage, I wonder, June, if you might just tell us a little bit about the BA primary route that uh, is coming in at Cardiff Met in September. Yes, um, this is a three-year undergraduate uh, programme. So we have students that will, for their first year, it tends to be sort of more of the theory and the academic side, looking at sort of, you know, theories of learning, um, sort of strategies that you would use out in the classroom. Alongside that, there is some observation time in school. Once you go into years two and three, that's when you start to build in your actual teaching experience. Um, So for years two and three, you will have all your academic studies, um, the theory, lead lectures, seminar group sessions, looking at different aspects of teaching and learning, and then actually try out those types of strategies in the classroom uh, as part of your school experience. I think the benefit or or one of the things that I particularly like about an undergraduate three-year programme is that it gives you time to hone and develop your skills. You, You change as you grow and develop, you change. And I think you see that over the course of three years. And and often you might come in with ideas in year one, but actually by the time you get to year three, those might have sort of changed and modified based on your experiences on the programme. And I think it gives you time as well to sort of, you know, really explore things, uh, aspects and theories and strategies based on research, explore them in quite a lot of detail um, and maybe pursue your particular interests as well. There isn't often time to be able to do that on sort of one year uh, postgraduate programmes or GTP programmes, those work based training programmes. I think that's that's really useful. And, and actually, I think the, the heart of our message here is look at the range of routes and think carefully about what is going to suit you, your personal preferences, your personal circumstances, and then you're going to make a far more a far more informed and strong application, um, and you'll be far more convincing at interview if you've really thought carefully about which route it is best for you. The thing that unifies all of us is qualified teacher status. So there are a number of standards that are are set by our respective governments that you have to meet in order to gain qualified teacher status and they're a little bit different depending on your context so it's another thing that I would add when you're thinking about routes into teaching is also think about the place where you want to teach because the training routes change and differ depending on the context that you're in so in Wales we've got a slightly different approach to training teachers and we've also got a very different curriculum to the curriculum in England so think carefully about that. I think that's a really important point to make actually that there are different curriculums depending upon where you train in the country. Um, Certainly Wales has gone down its own route with the Welsh Government in terms of the type of curriculum and we are going through a transition period as we speak as we have our new Successful Futures curriculum coming out uh, in 2022. So 
really think about that because those curriculum will sort of will specify a type of pedagogy, a type of teaching and learning that you are to use in the classroom. And I think it's worth maybe just doing a little bit of sort of investigation into the curriculum and the style of curriculum uh, and helping you make that decision then as to uh, where you would like to train it within the country. Okay, so if you're sold on being a teacher, I think it's really important to say that there are an awful lot of different pupils to be taught. The profession is a very varied place and we'd like to see as many different people becoming teachers as possible. I like the point that you made, June, about the undergrad course, giving people a bit more time and space to become teachers. I think it's also worth shouting out to any potential mature students out there and saying that life is a funny thing and you may be sitting there without a degree at the moment for whatever reason and the undergrad courses are a great way to come on to a teaching course if you don't have a degree already the PGCE requires you to have a a decent class degree and I've had the experience of teaching on an undergraduate teacher training course and one of the absolute joys of it was being able to let onto it a much wider group of people I mean one in particular um, my my biggest success story I think so I had him as both a lecturer and a school-based mentor was an army musician who'd been in the army playing for 10 years and then decided he wanted to be a teacher he joined up at the age of 16 so he certainly didn't have a degree and he was able to come through with us. He actually, we, we gave him special dispensation to do the gr- degree in two years. And he became an absolutely outstanding teacher. And he's out there working in a school now and doing an absolutely brilliant job. So if you're sold on being a teacher and you can see obstacles in the way, there are always ways to get around those obstacles. You don't have to do things the sort of standard way. Absolutely. So we appeal to you, career changers, people who are working as TAs, teaching assistants at the moment, maybe a little bit later into their their career and education, but wanting to take the next step and become a qualified teacher. That whole range, have a good think about it and choose a route that's right for you. So if you are sold, I think we've already given you some kind of tips and tricks, although not explicitly, about what you should do, what your next steps are. We approached our colleagues about this, actually, Tom, didn't we? We did. I've been wandering around campus with my microphone again, menacing my colleagues and forcing them to give us their pearls of wisdom. So I wonder if we might start by listening to what our lovely colleagues have to say, what advice they would give you about applying for a PGC or applying for teacher training. Should we have a listen to them? Uh, My name's Sally Bethel and I would recommend very strongly that you get into a school and see what it's like before you apply for the course. It's quite a cultural shock otherwise. My top tip for PGCE applicants is to make sure that before you attend for an interview, you've done some research on what's going on in the Welsh education context. Be prepared. Hi, I'm Sean Watkins. My tip for anybody applying for a PGC is to get into a school and get some experience if you can. Don't just do the photocopying. Get in there, observe, and then come to your interview really thinking, really reflecting on what you've seen, what you feel about the children's experiences. Have something to say, um, not just about what you did, but what you thought. 
Shumai, I'm Gina Morgan, a dwi. Efallai y cyngor bas ni'n rhoi i ymgeiswyr newydd, um, pan maen nhw'n rhoi'r ffurflen at y gilydd, yw meddwl yn y falus am y math o brofiadau ymarferol dych chi'n gallu codi a chi'n gallu trafod um, yn eich cyweliad. Felly pan dwi'n darllen ffurflen gais, dwi'n edrych ymlaen at weld beth dych chi wedi bod yn gwneud gyda phlant, gyda phobl ifanc, ac wedyn sut bydd y profiadau yma yn ddefnyddiol i chi um, yn y cwrs newydd. Felly, gobeithiol llawer o syniadau ymarferol am eich profiad chi gyda phobl ifanc. Um, hello, my name is Gina Morgan. I think possibly the um, top tip I would give to new applicants and when applying for a course in, te- in teacher training is to think carefully about the practical experiences you have leading up to your application. So when I'm reading um, applications, I do especially like to look at um, some examples of, of how students have worked or how you have worked with, with, with youngsters, with children, and then I look forward to hearing those examples discussed more fully in an interview. Hi, my name's Ashley Beard and I think it's really important when you submit in an application that you proofread your application and maybe ask somebody else to proofread it for you and also that you make sure that you're confident with what you've put in the application so that you're ready for any questions during an interview. Benu yw Ashley Beard, dwi'n meddwl pan dych chi'n cyflwyno cais, mae'n bwysig iawn eich bod chi yn prawf ddarllen eich cais ac efallai hyd yn oed yn gofyn i ffrind, prawf ddarllen eich, eich cais chi hefyd, ond wedyn eich bod chi'n dod yn gyfarwydd a chynnwys y, y cais fel eich bod chi'n barod i ateb unrhyw gwestiynau yn ystod cyfweliad. Hi, I'm Judith Neen and my top tip for people applying uh, to become a teacher, when you come to the interview, come dressed as a teacher. You want your interviewer to be able to envisage you as a teacher. So ignore the fact that you're being interviewed in a university environment, ditch the jeans and uh, become dressed um, ready to kill. Well, something that came through really clearly there, and I would say probably the top tip, and we've mentioned this too, is about practical experience. Yeah, and doing your homework, I know that's a terrible teacher thing to say, but you just need to do your homework. I think I mentioned before that we'll look really positively on anyone who wants to become a teacher, but we do, well, I certainly do feel an awful sense of responsibility when people are trying to come through the door onto the course that they don't walk into something that is not what they think it is. Absolutely. I think something I found interesting as well was um, a point that Chris Sobol made about research what's going on in education. And research can sound like a bit of a scary word if you are if you're new to it or if you're certainly just finishing your A-levels. But, you know, just looking at things like what's going on in the news, so the education supplements or sections of, of a newspaper. The Guardian has a really good education supplement the Times educational supplement, just to get a sense of what's going on in that particular context, remembering that some aspects of government are devolved. So in Wales, our education is is a devolved issue, so we're very different to England. So looking carefully at um, your context-specific education and what's going on in that climate. Yeah, you made the point, didn't you, June, that 
education moves on quickly and it isn't going to be the same as when you were at school even if you're in in a degree in an undergrad now and you've only left school a few years ago it's not going to be the same and one of the banes of everyone's life I think being a teacher is everyone's got an opinion on teaching because they were once taught by a teacher uh, yes, definitely. Um, and I think it's really important to have a look, depending upon where you're applying, have a look at, for instance, in England, the Department of Education website to get the latest information about what's happening in terms of education in England. Look at the learning.wales website if you're thinking of applying and studying in Wales to get the latest sort of initiatives and developments that are happening. What is happening in education? By the time you have qualified, what sort of things will you be working with um, what sort of strategies will you be using could I just add one sort of one point as well just listening to the comments from my colleagues there often it's quite hard to think about and write about your personal statement and sometimes maybe that sort of two you know that little bit of observation time you've in a school maybe doesn't give you maybe everything that you need for your personal statement just think about all those transferable skills all that life experience that you've had to date what sort of skills do you have that you've acquired that you can transfer to the classroom environment Um, yes there are specifics sort of teaching strategies and theories of learning but a lot of the skills that we use in the classroom are actually sort of transferable skills things like being good with time management and organization so don't be put off when writing about your personal statement think about that wealth of experience and knowledge uh, and skills that you've gained from all those life experiences I would agree with that, June, thoroughly. And I think something that gets demonstrated quite easily, particularly if you're in a group interview situation, is your skills of collaboration, your skills of listening. So don't worry that actually you might be in an interview scenario where there are times when you are actually just listening to what your your fellow applicants are saying in order to then make, you know, a, a critically informed perspective point based on what they're saying so don't feel that you if you're not talking the whole time if you're not dominating the conversation then maybe you're not doing doing your best yeah in fact if you are dominating the whole conversation you might be about to get a response you don't like from your UCAS application because as we said before it's not all about you being a teacher absolutely so those skills of collaboration those skills of of teamwork we we really are looking to see as well as you kind of knowing your subject being confident in your own ability but also being able to work with others is really crucial and that there are no irrelevant skills I suppose as well we're asking you to know a bit about the education system you don't need to be an expert we're asking you to know a number of things and be able to have a number of skills but you're not going to be the finished article because teaching is an incredibly broad range of skills you could be the most creative person in the world but if you can't time an hour-long lesson um, reasonably successfully you're going to drive your colleagues nuts your lessons may be exactly an hour long but if they're incredibly boring nobody's going to want to go to them so be a little bit reflective know where you are currently strong and know where perhaps you're not the finished article and don't be afraid to tell us what those things are. Absolutely. Okay, so just to demystify some things that might happen in an interview scenario for teacher training programme, we can only really speak from our own experience, but we've certainly got some ideas that might help you. But I think step number one is to really scrutinise any pre-release information that you get from an admissions department or whatever teacher training organisation you're applying to. If they send you out any pre-material about an interview 
please do your homework, thoroughly scrutinise it and think carefully about what is, is required. And I guess the next step is to then turn up to the interview ready to throw yourself into whatever might befall you. Now for us, we have a number of different things that take place. There are tests, so that is something that everybody I think is going to have to get used to in relation to teacher training. Here you have to do a literacy and a numeracy and a digital competence test uh, in order to get onto our programmes. Yeah, we have a number of tests and they're not the same as the English tests. Sorry about that. Yes, there is a variety. It is likely that you will encounter an interview, which may be a one-on-one interview, but it's probably more likely to be a group interview. Do you have group interviews for the primary PGC programme? We tend to have sort of group activities uh, and then we do actually have a sort of a short individual interview. I must admit that our group activities, usually the group sizes around about six or seven, tend to sort of be perhaps a group discussion or teacher skills. So each member of the group will teach a a skill lasting sort of five minutes to the rest of the group. It sounds really daunting, but do you know what? By the end of the session, everybody actually knows everybody else. There is a lot of humour. There's a lot of, um, as I say, uh, it's really enjoyable actually seeing the sorts of things that that applicants come in with. And it just sort of, I think, gets rid of some of that stress of thinking, oh my gosh, this is an interview day. So it sounds daunting, but actually by the end of it, it's it's a really worthwhile sort of task to do. Yes, and, and that's where we unite, actually. We, we ask our uh, applicants to deliver a micro-teach session, so teaching a skill or something um, subject knowledge related from their preferred subject um, for application. And I guess what my advice would be on that front is don't go for something too complex because you're it's likely that you're not going to have a great deal of time to to teach this skill or to teach this aspect of subject knowledge so keep it you know quite manageable and do something that is going to you're going to feel really comfortable teaching to others that you're going to be able to also engage the rest of the group in so it's not all completely led by you that maybe there's opportunities for you to question some of the other members of the of the group that you're in or something that's a bit more hands-on that they can they can experience with you yes we've moved across to a slightly more uh, we've well basically we've stolen primaries interview model and it's really improved the experience for all of us because I think we get a much better kind of picture of our applicants through doing practical activities and we all have a lot more fun I think they tend to walk into our group interviews having just done a massive pile of tests and feeling terribly stressed about everything and by the end everybody's smiling and laughing and saying that they've had a really wonderful time I think they're not just saying that to be polite but we've all had a nice time and we've learned a lot about each other and I think we tend to feel quite confident in the decisions that we end up making which is great and the advice for going into those things is exactly what you've just said throw yourself in have a good time have a sense of humour and actually I think if you can do that you'll probably be all right in the profession. I think that's that's sound advice um, and I guess what we're ending on now is is some do's and don'ts so any kind of final tips and tricks or advice from you June that you'd like to throw in? I think Certainly, just sort of reiterating what some of the comments have said, you know, turn up, as I say, in a professional manner, you know, in terms of your dress, 
you know, throw yourself into the to the interviews, um, but try not to dominate. Um, you you want to get across your personality, but not to the detriment of everybody else. Certainly, as an observer, as a as an interviewer, I think that the variety of sort of group tasks that we have, we get a very, very good picture of what the applicant is like. And it gives you as well those tasks, many opportunities to shine. You know, sometimes just having an individual interview, you know, it can be a little bit daunting and perhaps a lot quite pressured, but actually doing group tasks where you're with others, as I say, it gives you that opportunity to really show what you're capable of doing. And the best of luck to you all if you apply. Poor bloch. June, you have been chosen to do our other <laughs> slots. That sounded very portentous, didn't it? But we always love having a guest because it, it reduces the amount of our voices uh, that get heard. And also people bring in some really creative things. So we tend to do these reasonably quickly. And the first thing we always do after the deep discussion is a tip for everybody's well-being. So June, how do you keep well? Well, one tip that I have is having a time out. We can get so absorbed with all the demands of the profession uh, that we forget to actually give ourselves some time to do those sorts of things that we really enjoy, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a particular interest, whether it's a sporting activity. And uh, I think what we have to do to ensure that we have those time out sessions is actually to plan it in. Plan it in our diaries, you know, be specific and say this amount of time here I'm going to go and do that. I recently or last summer uh, we had a puppy who's a recent addition to our family who is a cross between a Labrador and a Uh, Newfoundland and is seven months old and so full of life and one of the things that I've been doing actually my time out is actually just going out for walks with a dog it's one of the best things that I ever did complete stress relief gets you back into perspective with all the demands of work so as I say even if you you know perhaps you're very disciplined and you're very good but if you're not literally mark some time in your diary to as I say have some time for yourself to do the things that you really enjoy and are interested in and I think it's one of the best things you can do for your well-being. You know we were saying before we started recording I don't know if this is the same for primary but when you say time out um, I tend to think (laughs) about those pupils that you have who are prone to having a bit of a meltdown in the classroom if things get a bit much and they get given a time out card that they can wave. (laughs) Did anyone else ever have this in their classrooms? And the idea is that if you know if they wave this card it means you can let them get out of the classroom before they kind of just melt down completely and I'm quite tempted by the idea we should all have a time out card <laughs> maybe put it on the office door or something so that you can just have your meltdown in, in quiet yeah quiet but it's true know. isn't it if we don't get some time out we, we do end up having a meltdown and yet we prioritize everything else and try to keep going i think uh, the bit that as soon as you mentioned dog there <laughs> Yeah, we've lost you. You, you there, lost me. I was uh, I was in uh, dog therapy um. world. <laughs> I'm not suggesting everybody go and buy a puppy or anything like that, but I think it's just as I say, making time for ourselves. Sometimes we feel very guilty about doing that, don't we? Yes. And education is one of those professions where it's very hard to have those clear boundaries of what is work and what is our home life. And sometimes we've got to sort of really, as I say, plan that in. And it's certainly something that I've been doing, certainly for the last sort of year just to try and help boost my own sort of well-being enforce and impose the boundaries (laughs) give yourself permission lovely have you 
you got someone you'd like to shout out to? I have actually. This is one of my students in my current cohort of PGC Primary uh, students, um, Kaylee Cousins. I went to see Kaylee as part of one of my quality assurance visits before Christmas. And part of the visit, I observed Kaylee teach and I was absolutely mesmerised in her lesson. She did a lesson with year five children, looking at the constellations. As soon as I walked into the classroom, she had thought about creating an entire uh, sort of atmospheric sort of environment that just grabbed children's attention. Everything from using ICT on the whiteboard, uh, showing pictures of constellations to having atmospheric music and a projector actually showing the night sky up on the ceiling um, with blackout curtains. The children were so engaged, so captivated and so involved. You know, that quality of learning that was taking place was an absolute delight to the point that actually normally I'm scribbling things down with my when I'm sort of seeing a lesson observation I was actually captivated and just wanted to take part superb lesson from Kaylee and the fact that it was a school experience one was an absolute joy to see lovely ah well well done to you Kaylee Cousins we salute you and finally do you have something to try this is nothing new micro teaching has been around for quite some time but I think often you know, some of those sort of older type strategies, although new sort of, you know, more funkier things come in, some of those old traditional type strategies actually are really worth uh, including in that repertoire that you have. So certainly we have an agenda here in Wales at the moment in the teaching profession to supporting and challenging more able and talented children. And I think by using micro teaching, you send the rest of the class off to do work independently, keep your more able and talented children perhaps on the carpet and do a little bit of micro teaching where you're extending and challenging their thinking and their learning. And I think that's a really good way to show that how you are, as I say, extending that learning with your more able and talented. A really useful strategy to use as say something that's not you but I think it's very valuable as a part of your repertoire in the classroom. Lovely, wow. June, you did your homework. <laughs> you did, you rattled those off. That was impressively. impressive. Thank you so much. Well I guess we would like to say a big thank you to you June for being with us today. You have now uh, stepped into the world of podcasting. This is the first time that I have done anything like this. And I have to say, I was a little bit nervous coming in, but very kindly. I had a cup of coffee and Tom is very reassuring and obviously ever. So, um, yeah, it's been a delight. Oh, thank you, June. And if you're out there wondering whether teaching is for you, I guess we would just invite you to go and do your homework, find out what you think. And if you're not sure... Maybe contact um, a teacher education provider like our good selves uh, for a chat. Give it a go. It it really is the best job in the world. And listen to our lovely colleagues as well, who we have also featured in this episode, who we'd also like to say a big thank you to. Yes, thank you to all of you. Until next time then, it's goodbye from us. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Emma and Tom's PGCE podcast presented by Emma Thayer and Tom Brees. Today's special guest was June Hercombe. We'd like to wish the best of luck to anyone thinking of setting out on the road to becoming a teacher. Do your research, make sure you know what you're getting into, but if you feel it's for you, go for it and we'll all support you to realise your dream. 
Thanks to Kaylee Cousins and her constellations, Laura Salkeld in the US and all our other international listeners. Please do make yourselves known to us through a rating, review or tweet. We're all waving our time out cards so we're off before we have a meltdown. Until next time, take care and enjoy teaching.